everyone. On today's episode of Lockdown Guardians, we're going to get into what I would like to see as a lineup. We're going to talk very little bit about Bradley Zimmer. We're going to talk about some of the injuries that are affecting this organization, and I'll explain why it is that I'm sitting here holding a baby at the start of the show. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So the baby is here just to be rather shameless. And, uh, you know, we've had my co-host being a cat for a while. Adding a happy baby is another reason to go check out the YouTube and see exactly what Locked On Guardians looks like. Throw a subscribe, like, comment, all those things help the show grow. He's excited to be, this is Nathaniel, my son, almost seven months old. He's excited to co-host this first little bit. But I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. Remember, you never know what's going to happen, so go check out the YouTube as well. And remember to subscribe and download daily. Those are all nice, easy things you can do to help the show grow. And Nathaniel's saying hi and agreeing with all of it. So let's start with the Zimmer situation, and then after that, Nathaniel's going to go away. Uh, so Bradley Zimmer. I don't want Bradley Zimmer to be on the 28-man roster. I think we know what he is. At the same time, I talk to other people, and it is clear that scouts still see the physical tools and the value that he presents as a defensive force in center field. I don't know what you can get for him. I don't know what's out there. I do feel like we're kind of waiting to see what teams still have a glaring need in center field. And when cut-down time comes, maybe there could be something. Maybe you can, you know, I've talked about Seattle many times. Can you get the comp B pick at the end of the second round for him? Potentially, maybe. Something like that, where you can trade an asset, clear a 40-man spot, and improve your team. <laughs> you think so? I know. I apologize if the baby is more annoying than fun. Uh, but it's a way to correctly manage an asset that still has value. I do not think he presents well for the Cleveland Guardians. I think he's had a miserable spring. And with Miles Straw, you don't need another potentially elite defensive center fielder. So when I come out and defend Bradley Zimmer, it's more that I know he has value to the rest of the league. His value to the Guardians is limited. And yeah, that's it. That's just the point. Zimmer is what he is. He is more than likely a backup, but elite physical tools and potential plus defense in center field still brings value. And I would like to see him traded and not cut. And I'm hoping they're just waiting till the end of camp to figure out exactly what is the best thing they can get for him. We talked about on Friday's show. Philly, Florida, Seattle, these are places that seem to have a hole there. You know, if there's another team where someone gets hurt, they could be waiting on that. But starting Zimmer is a stopgap, like they did with Jake Bowers a year ago, is something I really would not like. And I'm not defending Zimmer because some perceived that I think he's going to help this team. I'm just saying that when I talk to people, when I talk to people connected to other organizations, when I talk to other writers, Zimmer still presents value to others outside of Cleveland. Ah, and I apologize for that as I clicked the wrong button very quickly in the studio. Okay, and now I'm back and babyless. No more happy baby sounds if that annoyed you. I again apologize. So let's talk some roster. Let's talk some lineup. In an ideal world, what is my Guardians lineup to start the year? This generated a lot of chatter on Twitter. Uh, maybe my most successful tweet so far of 2021. But what it comes down to is I want my best hitters hitting at the top of the lineup. Uh, and 
in terms of best hitters for the Cleveland Guardians. I have five hitters that I feel pretty comfortably suggesting will be league average, slightly below league average, or better. Only five. So, Miles Straw at center field, he's not going to do what he did in the second half of last year. That was a little unprecedented for him. Uh, he's going to be a excellent defender, but I expect his offensive production will regress. But as of now, with his speed and skill set, I have him... This is a general. This is not like platoons or anything else. I put Straw in center field, batting one. Two, Ahmed Rosario. I want him out of short. I listed left field. Maybe he's a DH. Maybe he is... <sighs> You know, I, it's either, okay, so let's put it this way. He's probably more your DH and hitting second. And he had a 99 runs created plus a year ago. Uh, you probably want to platoon him long term. We've talked about that. I mean, he really has some strong splits. But at least he was close to league average. He brings some speed, and you put him there. Uh, technically, J-Ram should hit two, and originally I had him two, but then I was just, like, looking at uh, the rest of this lineup. And my, my old school and my new school, could not come to an agreement on a, a lineup where I had Rosario or Quan hitting four. I just I couldn't do it. But if you want to say that Rosario is a DH, that's fine. Uh, he was a bad defender at short a year ago. He was a bad defender at short uh, through his major league career. Uh, third base, J Ram. Third, he's you want to get your best hitter there. Um, you know, again, I could see going Straw, J Ram, and then three being Framil because Framil was your second best hitter, pretty you know by a wide mile and projects by a pretty large amount to be your number two hitter uh, on this team. Uh, and if he's playing left field, not DHing, that's fine. In the five spot, this quazed, I guess I'm I'm uh, getting into the future already. This caused a few people to go, what? I put Steve Kwan there and I put him in right field. He's played all three outfield spots in the minors. He may not have an ideal arm for right field, but projection systems are very positive on him. You know, he's done enough little things here at camp. He is kind of a trendy, under-the-radar Rookie of the Year candidate. Like, if you're someone who does betting odds with our friend, you know, friends uh, bet online, like, he might be a nice uh, nice down the, the, especially if he makes the roster. Like, I might go put a few shekels myself if he uh, if he makes the roster, just because, you know, all projection systems like him quite a bit. And he's the last player I really feel comfortably saying, yeah, he's going to be an above-league average or at least league-average hitter. If given a full opportunity, hitting sixth, I have uh, the basically you know the conglomeration of first base: Bobby Bradley, Josh Naylor went healthy, Yu Chen Chang. If you want to do a Chang Bobby Bradley platoon, I'm good with that. Uh, you know, however you want to work, I'm feeling that grouping there at sixth is probably still likely to produce more than the next three hitters. Though again, it, we could enter a situation which would be nice where. Maybe my number nine does surprise, and I have to shift things around. Uh, Gabriel Arias at seven at shortstop. He is going to, going from Rosario to Arias, Arias at shortstop is going to give you like two to three wins just in terms of defensive change and defensive value. Uh, he's going to fall into double-digit home runs. He, It's not going to be pretty in terms of batting average. And, and yeah, the walk rate creeped up last year. There are people who think it's a grooved swing and it's not going to work in the big leagues and we'll have to see. But just Jose Iglesias, for instance, didn't have his power. But Iglesias has been like a 80, 90. He, I think he had one year, maybe two years over 100 in terms of runs created plus. He's been one to two derivations below league average and has been a starter for 11 straight years at shortstop. Now he's a guy who's also played for like seven different teams and has always kind of moved around because teams are always looking to upgrade that position. 
But all the same reasons, like I talked about Bobby Bradley, or, or Bra- not Bobby Bradley, Bradley Zimmer in the early going, you know, the defensive profile, the power, not so much the speed, uh, that's not necessarily his, but the power and the plus defense at a prime position for that. I think there's value, and that's why I'd rather run him out there. You've already gone through an option year. Uh, for me personally, I'd rather have him there. And why him at seven? Because uh, of kind of this next grouping. I had, I had to figure out kind of the last three. Uh, he's not a speed demon. Like, he's a great defender. He's quick, but I, you know, I, I still kind of go with the idea of, like, eighth spot isn't your worst place to put your your worst hitter, and then your ninth spot, I'd like to get a little bit of speed there. So when I'm looking at these, I didn't think he's the worst hitter. He's not the fastest. Seven. Uh, and again, you know, if I'm really getting the weeds, I do versus right hands versus left hands with the right left-handers. But this is just kind of on a very basic level what I would like to see. Uh, final two spots, Austin Hedges at eight. Like he is your worst hitter. Uh, Austin Hedges' profile could also be, I mean, Gibber Arias walks a little more than Hedges did, but there's some similarities in those profiles as well as there is in that uh, Bradley Zimmer profile. It is interesting how they have a collection of guys kind of with that uh, relative profile. And elite defense, a lot to be said just in terms of apparently uh, low on base, big power, good defense. Like those are guys who might have, I don't know, low batting average always held you back. I'm like, I'm not saying necessarily Bradley Zimmer would have had more opportunities in the 90s. People say he's already had too many opportunities now, but you do wonder, uh, you know, with the importance of on base percentage, how much that kind of can affect these players. And then at nine, Andres Jimenez. At second base, he's looked really good there. Uh, you have more years of control. He's got some good athletic tools. He had a year where he was a starter. It was that uh, COVID season, and he was had above-average league production. You were kind of counting on that, and he regressed. If he could get back to what he did in 2020, honestly, he should hit two. Uh, J-Ram three, Fran Mill four, Rosario five, Quan six. Uh, your first base, Boo Boo Platter at seven. I guess you'd then go Hedges 8, Arias 9, even though, again, he's not the fastest person. Uh, there's not a whole lot of speed outside of those top few guys in this lineup anyways. But those are the guys I'd like to see. Again, for as much as I feel like online I'm getting you know, painted as like this lover of, a, of a Zimmer, I don't have him in the lineup here. Um, I'm more than willing to move on. And I guess that's just more where I am, where it's like center fielders have more value. I think... Mercado Mercado doesn't have the power, and that's why he doesn't get talked about as much, but I think he still presents some. Uh, and again, if we saw for as much as Jake Bowers was awful, the Indians trade him for an interesting relief prospect. If you're making a list of their top 50 prospects, the guy they got for Bowers is in it. If you're making their top 10 relief prospects, he might be like 8th or ninth in that list, but I mean, he's probably in it. They got an interesting prospect, uh, you know, a, a very low likely to turn out, but Again, that's they know what the league is looking at, and they know when there's value in a guy, right? Like, I was kind of surprised. I was shocked when they designated Daniel Johnson for assignment. But he passed through waivers, and he's back with the team. I, I didn't think that would happen. But they understand better than you or I or anyone else what the true values of players are. So when Bauer sticks around, it turns out, hey, he ended up having trade value. Why are they holding on to Zimmer and Mercado? Because center fielders are hard to find. They are very hard to find. 
uh, especially guys who can actually play the position, and those two guys are there. I'm, you know, we'll see if Josh Naylor coming back from injury. It's going to be rough. He's yet when I talk to people on Naylor, it's like he's never put it together, and he's never accessed the the power that he was pretty, he was projected to have. We'll see if he can make adjustments over the course of this year, but it's going to be rough, and I don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, Bobby Bradley, he's going to get his opportunities, but I think it's a very, very short leash for him this year, and he's got to show it. Or when you got Naylor, who they need to figure out time for, when you have um, Nolan Jones, you got to figure out where he's going to play, and it could be first base, and some other players that they're you know coming up through the system. We could see Johnski Noel in Double A at some point this year, since he's now already on the forty man. He, it's, it behooves them to move him quickly. They got to figure things out. So you either need to perform or know that uh, the bell is going to toll for you. We're going to take a break here, talk about some great sponsors, come back and talk about injuries and exactly what the Guardians' payroll looks like right now, where they rank, and looking at some real numbers and not the false ones getting passed along. Uh, hint: it's still not good. And let's talk about Bet Online for a moment, who I teased a bit in our first segment. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national champion this coming week. Bet Online is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it, Bet Online remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sport wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use the mobile device or use your mobile device to learn about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So let's talk about injuries, because they are a thing. Josh Naylor today uh, had his second four inning triple A game and he did well at the plate. Uh, he might actually join the major league team next week, I still think, with three options. There is a huge chance that he begins the year in AAA. We just know that they tend to to not rush anyone, so that's that's that part of it. Let's talk about the other set of injuries. One, uh, we saw Cody Morris go to the sixty day disabled list. This team is so up against it. Um, they have fifteen pitchers on their forty man rotation, fifteen, and no one's stretched out. <laughs> and uh, the forty man rotation, I think I said I meant to say forty man roster. But they don't have enough pitchers. They're definitely going to piggyback. There's definitely going to be like, okay, so Shane Bieber goes 65 pitches. Now here comes Logan Allen, and those two are going to be set to go. Uh, and that's what we're going to have. We're going to have, you know, the two, it might as well be announced as two pitchers. It's going to be one guy goes, and then the other one comes in. It's the only choice. Now, <laughs> I don't, again, I don't know how they're going to manage this. There's that part of me they talked about in the first segment. It's like, well, hopefully, a, you know, treat Bradley Zimmer for. Seattle does have an interest, and it's like talking to multiple people with ties to that organization or writers who cover it. Like he has come up multiple times, so I think there's got to be some interest. That competitive balance B pick is not the most valuable thing. Uh, you know, back in the day, now things have changed. But it's like remember former uh, Indians bullpen great Ryan Webb. Like the Orioles traded him and their pick to save like three million dollars to the Dodgers. Like they sold it for essentially the equivalent of three million. I remember the Marlins trading a first-round pick for Brian Morris, who wasn't even that good of a reliever, just he threw hard. Get Things have evolved, and that old Florida front office isn't there, but that old Florida front office, boy, did they made some whoppers for those picks that they're willing to trade for almost nothing. 
We've still seen the picks not be that highly valued. I'm trying to think of the lefty reliever. The Brewers traded their second round for uh, their comp B pick for that was not even like from the Rangers. wasn't even that good. And after two years, they cut him. So yeah, that's, I mean, to me, that's the perfect thing. Go get, yes, I love the draft. Yes, I covered the draft. Yes, I grew up in Cleveland. So I love all things draft. So yes, adding a draft pick is always a net win for me. But uh, that seems perfect. I would love to see something like that happen. If not, you know, far away lotto ticket. Go do what it is that the Rays have done for years and get a lotto ticket. If it doesn't work out, hey, it doesn't work out. But the more chances you have, the better the opportunity uh, that something's going to work. And he seems to have perceived trade value. I'm, I'm fine for doing that with him, with Mercado. Obviously, you probably want to keep one as a backup. Uh, so, and I think Zimmer has more perceived value, so maybe you get that done. Uh, but they, getting back to it, it's like, okay, so now you move, you've got Morrison Vargas off the, the 40 man, and you brought in what, Shaw, and when you move Vargas, it was for Maley, and moving Shaw, Morris gave you Shaw. So, they're at a point where, I mean, they just don't have enough arms, like, uh, Anel de Los Santos has had a pretty good camp. He could potentially be an option for that bullpen, but they need to clear a spot. And it's just coming down to where do you clear a spot? Uh, the other problem is, of course, with Luke Maley, do you put him on the 60 day? If it's going to be three to four weeks, like, do you just put him on the 60 day and bring up Leon and know that, hey, we can cut Leon when it's time? I don't think there's going to be a lot of big cuts in camps that's going to open up catching for teams. We talked about, like, the when they signed Maley, he was without a doubt, the top catcher on the market to me. It's, it was very picked over. It was an ugly situation. There was not a lot of great choices. So they went out and added the you know a solid backup. Now there's not much. So I think you know they know Leon. He knows the team. They're comfortable with him. He's going to be an automatic out. He's going to be even worse than Hedges in terms of offensive production. Uh, you're really limiting him as much as you can, but if you're going to have to add him to the 40 man, so again, is it 60 day DL for Maley? Is do they cut an infielder? What do you do? And like, they need to add pitching, so they need to they need to start clearing spots. And again, I don't know what they're going to do if they're going to do anything. Uh, word out of Chicago, so the Cubs are still willing, you know, and looking at trading Contreras, and they know it won't be a huge return. Well, okay, go go get that deal done, right? Go figure out a way to go get Contreras to Cleveland at this point in time. And you know what? If you need, well, you can't really trade an injured player, can you, with Maley? It's like if it comes down to a little bit on the money, it's like, well, send a Maley their way. Uh, but they need to go out and do something at this point in time to help clear up some space. Uh, James Karen Shock, or Corinne Shock. Uh, it's a terrorist major injury, which is what Cody Morris just went to the 60-day DL for. It's what uh, Mike Clevenger had an issue with. I'm trying to think, of the, like three or four. This is a common Cleveland issue. Is this injury to this part of the arm? It just keeps coming up. Um, so we'll see when he's going to be ready. I mean, they said seven to seven to ten days. He gets reevaluated. It's likely going to be seven to ten days, and then after that is another like three to four weeks. So he could end up a sixty day DL. Uh, candidate at some point uh, I wasn't counting on him and that's the bullpen let's put it this way like I've talked about all season they need to do more for the bullpen this bullpen could actually be good if everyone could be healthy you know if Karen Shaw could get to like in between where he was when the sticky stuff went away and 
where he was when he was allowed to use sticky stuff, where he was like one of the best relievers in baseball. I'll take the in-between where he's a little bit above league average, and I think he can get there. You know, Anthony Ghost is uh, just a, a rare lefty. Class A is one of the top relievers in baseball already. Uh, Sandlin, I mean, the guy just can't stay healthy. He's never been healthy since he was, you know, overworked at SMU, right? Wasn't he a Southern Miss? Uh, got hurt in 2019, missed half that year. 2020 was dealing with injuries, and all of his stuff was way down at the end of 2020 to the point that, like, a lot of places discussed him as a borderline non-prospect. And, I mean, I just I bought into it because I hadn't had a chance to see him pitch since his draft year, since, like, 2018, essentially. Because 2019, he got shut down in June. It was a very early shutdown. And then, like I said, uh, 2020 didn't pitch much, and he was great, and then he got hurt, and we haven't seen him all camp, have we? Did I miss it at some point? I mean, if if those two guys are healthy, you've got options. And it really sets you up. you got Shaw then as more of like a sixth-inning guy where you're like, okay, whatever. Still being paid too much, but at least he's in that role. And, you know, I'm so curious to see, like, what Trevor uh, Steffen can do. Like, he showed some positive things at some point. And, you know, Nick Miklojak, I'm probably butchering the name, should get up there this year and should be a back-end arm type. Like, he was electric a year ago. He was clearly the top reliever in system. He needs to be added to the 40-man at the end of the year. So he could see time this year, like they've done with other players, like a Nick Sandlin, for instance, who need to be added. And they called him up uh, early because it's like, well, we got to add him anyways. So it could be a good pen. And that's why I think there may be. And, and you have to also figure out, like, OK, are we going to make Hench as a reliever this year? Are we just going to go full on with him as a reliever? Who else do you try in that bullpen role? Uh, they have the pieces to actually not have that odious of a pen. Right now, it doesn't look good because uh, they are beat up. And health, like I said, that continues to be an issue for Sandlin. Karen Chalk has just had, Karen Chalk has had his own set of issues basically from the moment that Sticky Tack was banned. And from there, we're just going to have to kind of see. But yeah, the injuries are a big deal because, again, and it's something I'm harping on, since they have done nothing, the 40 man is exploding at the seams. They need to go make a trade. <laughs> you know, they need to, either that or you need to start letting guys go. Uh, you got to figure out where you stand, what you want as a team, and you have to give yourself flexibility because, again, this 40-man situation we just spent all of the last year discussing, they kind of surprised me when they went out and added 11. It doesn't get any easier next year. If I were to make a list of names right now for next year's list, like I made for the you know the end of the 2021 list, it would be about the same. It may not have as big of names on it, but it would have just about as many players. So this 40-man crunch is still a crunch. It's going to be a crunch till the end of the year, and they have to start making decisions I've been calling for decisions on players, I feel like, for almost all 700 episodes on this show. You know, it looks like maybe Steve Kwan has a chance to break camp with the team. I still don't believe it. <laughs> it's it, I've been proven so wrong over the years. I just I can't until it occurs. But it's potential. You know, the talk was the Terry Pluto piece that they would keep Palacios or Kwan, and Palacios got, just got sent to camp, minor league camp, so... You know, we're going to take that last break here. We're going to come back, talk about what the Guardians payroll actually is right now, talk about who just got sent down, and, uh, you know, anything else that, uh, that sh- that'll fill the show. I don't know what I'm, why I'm pulling around here and messing. That's what we're going to talk about for the last few bits of our show today. And that sponsor is Built Bar. I, you know them. I love them. If you've tried them, you've loved, you're sure to love them too. Uh, the banana bread I talked about last week already sold out. 
that's <laughs> one of my favorites. It, it didn't last the weekend. They're going to have that deal with the brownie batter puff where you get three yellow chirp mini puffs. That looks amazing. Uh, if I was not uh, gluten-free, I would be putting that order in now. Raspberry cheesecake is back and is it's on in it's on sale. Churro puff is a high recommender for me uh, in terms of their other limited releases. Caramel almond delight. I I bought a box and enjoyed it. Ruby chocolate, which is another puff one, is also there. There's always good things, always delicious things over at builtbar.com. I don't say that just as someone who uh, reads ads. I say it as someone who buys from them on the reg. I have two boxes upstairs that I am using every day that is my grab and go lunch grab and go breakfast it is perfect for that my health food app gives it an a gives you 140 calories 17 grams of protein and even some fiber as well go to builtbar.com today remember to use that promo code locked 15 that is what i use on all of my orders to save money uh you'll build up your built bucks and you will save money through built bucks and through our promo code locked 15 that is builtbar.com remember the promo codes locked 15 okay so let's get into payroll so sport track theirs is not great <laughs> let's, let's just get into it uh i'm using fan graphs this is the best one i found so far and is the one that feels the most up-to-date and accurate that has some of those arbitration numbers uh sport track i've heard through the years you know shout out to the mad thinker haven't had a chance to talk with you in months dude i hope you're doing well uh that other people know some irregularities there so Cleveland is currently ranked 29 out of 30 teams in terms of payroll. Pittsburgh is the only team worse uh, at 45 million. Cleveland's at 56 million. 44% of that is arbitration. Uh, they have 13 million in commitments for 2023 and no money commitments after that. They are one of four teams with no money commitments in 2024 and one of six, seven teams with no money commitments in 2025. Interestingly enough, one of those teams, San Francisco Giants, who have the 12th highest payroll in baseball, 2025, it all comes off the books. They they were clearly setting up for that. And I mean, San Francisco's money commitments for next year is $14 million. Now, I don't think they'll be there, but it is interesting to see that flexibility uh, on when you're looking at such things. So Cleveland's at 29. Uh, $3 million behind Oakland. Baltimore at $65 million might surprise people. I think people keep forgetting that like they're still paying Chris Davis. Crash Davis is like 20 million of that 65 million. So whenever you see any place that has Baltimore last in terms of payroll, they're not counting the fact that they're going to pay, you know, Chris Davis 20 million plus this year, I believe. It's not a good look. <laughs> Let's just start there. Again, I wanted the real numbers so we could still sit back and be like, that's bad. Uh, when someone puts a number out there and then I can, someone else can be like, hey, well, we know this isn't quite true because we know that. We know they're over 30 million. We know they're close to 50. And we know they're over 50. 56 um, feels almost a little high for me just because I felt like when all the arbitration stuff came in, they were just barely under 50. We talked about that on the show. But I probably wasn't counting all the guys on minimums at that point. So you add in the players on the minimums, you add in Shaw's 3 million. I can't believe I'm still saying that. And you get to 56. Remember when we thought they were going to spend 75? Remember when I sat here and said, oh, minority ownership's coming in. Hey, Kyle Schwarber could be a target. The market might have shifted post everything, but there were ways to improve this team. I talked about call San Diego. I mean, I'm not even a Will Myers fan, but 
Will Myers is an upgrade, and maybe you can get something bonus for taking Will Myers, right? Like, maybe you can get an interesting prospect. Maybe you do like what we see in the NFL and the NBA, where you get a quote-unquote bad contract, and uh, you get something for doing that, and you also, in this case, upgrade your lineup. (laughs) If you traded them a bad contract, and maybe there's a way to make this, I don't know if you could get the three-team trade. San Diego also wants a catcher. They make a ton of sense for... Can you believe that? San Diego needs a catcher. Just think about all they traded for Austin Nola. Think about all they traded for... uh, To get Mejia. And they still don't have a catcher. Uh, It just shows that you can never count on anyone at that position. It's it's as bad as as pitching. But yeah, this is just the situation where it's at. Where it's a bad look. And I know people got mad at me when I said to be patient. And I was wrong. You know, I thought I thought something was coming, and it hasn't happened. So that's that's on me. I thought for sure it would come. I was wrong. You got me. Uh, I was right when I said don't expect this to cross a hundred million. And <laughs> people were sending me those you know fifty million dollar additions to this Guardians team that they could go out and add three to four free agents, which just wasn't their style. I understand if you're frustrated. It's hard not to be. Um, again, Avery, I know I love you, dude, and you're always a fountain of positivity. But there are ways to improve this team if they had had a little bit more money to spend. And it does feel, again, like how much of this is they can't... If you are going to be the new minority ownership, you know, if you're going to be Blitzer and possibly Harris as well, everything is so, like, secondary on this. We don't really have a good primary source on it. But if we assume that is going to occur and that the deal is still on, uh, they want to have probably any shine on any signing. So could that have held up signings potentially being in kind of a limbo with, with ownership definitely could have held up a signing. Uh, I think they have to know. Everyone knows that the toxicity between ownership and fan base is extremely high and has been for years. And, you know, I can go back to enjoy them while you can, which is an unnecessary statement. And then last year's statement about like, you know, real fans buy luxury boxes or something along that degree. It was, it was bad. Um, I understand fans' negative feeling right now, and you're totally okay to feel that. And I, you know, you're totally okay to feel whatever you want, whenever. Uh, that's that's being a person. Uh, I'm still going to root for this team. I'm still going to look for the positivity. We're going to have a roundtable discussion tomorrow, and I'm going to be the person in that roundtable saying, like, okay, I know you're all going to say the Guardians are going to finish last, but they were 500 a year ago, and every single player in the rotation missed you know, nearly two months or had to spend time in the minors for ineffectiveness. Uh, the new wave of players is hitting the big leagues. Their number two hitter a year ago spent six weeks, or was it eight weeks, when Fran Mill was hurt. Their number three hitter they tra- got at the trade deadline and they now have a full season of. They did not make any big moves, but this is a team that is better on paper. Now everyone else in the division can say something similar, but I also think that this is a team that's going to probably be close to 500. Probably a little below like last year, but I think... Barring anything else, this is close to a 500 squad. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on my Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. I want to thank you for listening, rating, and reviewing. Uh, that always helps the show. Remember the iTunes, we crossed 100. I very much appreciate that from all the listeners. Downly, daily downloads help. And, of course, go subscribe on YouTube, like, comment, all of those things. Help help drive us in the metrics so we can get more followers uh, or subscribers. We're in the 40s. The goal is a 1,000. So we're dreaming big over here at Lockdown Guardians, just like you have to if you are a fan of the Guardians baseball team itself. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Guardians podcast for today. 
I want to thank all listeners again, and as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.